Hello, welcome to Slate's Trump Care Tracker, a podcast where we discuss the Republicans' efforts to repeal and replace Obamacare with some random cuts that appeal to zero constituencies. I'm Jim Newell, Slate's Capitol Hill reporter. My usual co-host, Jordan Weissman, is on vacation, so joining me today is a special co-host, Vox's Dylan Scott, one of my favorite reporters to gossip with during the many hours we stand around in hallways looking to collect 10 seconds worth of information from closed-mouth senators. Dylan, welcome. Thanks for having me. So we're here the day that the Senate is supposed to return to Capitol Hill after a long week of parades and a few town halls and mostly just this health care bill, which was unpopular to begin with, sitting out for everyone to attack it. I wasn't really that sure going into the week that another week would make much of a difference. I mean, if it's unpopular already, how is one more week going to affect anything? But it seems like the bill is in a really difficult spot right now. What do you think? So Mitch McConnell very directly said that he wanted to try to pass the bill the week before last because he didn't think it would do any good to wait um, any longer. And I think we saw that bear out last week. We saw some of the moderate senators sort of basking in the limelight of being opposed to the current version of the Senate bill. And we saw some of the conservatives uh, dig in and make some demands that could be very difficult for Senate leadership to meet. And so I don't see how you could come away from from all the senators being home last week thinking the bill is in anything but a more difficult spot going forward. Probably my favorite comment from the senators, Susan Collins from Maine, who was already against the bill. So she went to a parade in Maine on the 4th of July, and she was very gleefully telling reporters afterwards that there was only one issue that people were asking her about. It was a health care bill. And she said, quote, I heard over and over again encouragement for my stand against the current version of the Senate and health care bills. People were thanking me over and over again. Thank you, Susan. Stay strong, Susan. So Susan Collins, I mean, she just got reinforcement for her position, which is already, you know, she's going to be very difficult to win back. It looks like the Senate leadership has also given up on, on Rand Paul to a certain extent. Then you have 10 or so other senators who are probably going to be very difficult to get back. Uh, was there anything that stood out to you in the last week? Senate leadership is losing votes that they cannot afford to lose. So Jerry Moran from Kansas, who um, right after McConnell decided to pull the vote on the bill a couple weeks ago, came out against it. And then over break last week, uh, John Hoven of North Dakota came out against the bill. Chuck Grassley, who is, you know, as uh, tied to leadership as any senator, clearly has some problems with it. So I'm yet to see any sort of positive movement. And to your point at the opening about this bill, there's no constituency for it. I thought the New York Times had a great piece in their Sunday paper yesterday about how even the most sort of virulently anti-Obamacare conservative groups have are just sort of sitting out this healthcare fight because yeah. they don't see a bill that they really like. And then obviously you have the resistance, quote unquote, mobilizing on the left. And so all there is is either ambivalence or fervent opposition to this bill. And so how do you ever convince somebody to to come around and support it after they've come out against it. Yeah, there was that there was that story about how out, outside groups aren't involved at all. And then there was another story, I can't remember where, a couple of weeks ago about how on talk radio, like it's not like Rush Limbaugh or whatever is saying you have to pass the Better Care Reconciliation Act or anything like that. And I think it's because we've ended up in this weird place. Like, don't get me wrong, from the CBO projections, this bill would certainly have serious consequences. 22 million 
fewer Americans having health insurance, a $772 billion cut to Medicaid. But in a lot of ways, it's it's preserving the structure of Obamacare. You know, we'd still have exchanges. We'd have financial assistance. But with random cuts. Right. But with cuts. So it's like worse Obamacare cuts to Medicaid and tax cuts for the healthcare industry and the wealthy. You know, who is going to mobilize to pass this? And as we've seen, it's kind of no one at this point. A few more of the quotes from over the, the week. Shelley Moore Capito, a senator from West Virginia, who's very concerned about the way this bill treats Medicaid. She said, because there's this whole idea that no one wants to be the one senator who is willing to kill this bill. And she said in an interview, she is perfectly willing to do that because there's nothing in for her to like. And you obviously, you cannot pass this bill without Shelley Moore Capito. You know, where do we go from here? If you were to envision a path, Dylan, for this bill to get pushed through the finish line, what do you think roughly this might look like? So the only path that I can see right now has kind of three prongs to borrow the Republicans' uh, description yes. of health I, reform. Not, not buckets, <laughs> just prongs. Uh, prongs. Okay. We're going back to prongs. So I think the first step is Ted Cruz has put forward an amendment that would change the Obamacare insurance regulations, which is the primary concern of the conservative senators. And what that amendment would allow uh, health plans to do is if they sold a health insurance plan that complied with Obamacare, they would then be allowed to sell plans that don't comply with Obamacare. There are all sorts of reasons why that policy might not work very well and could send the market into a death spiral. But the point is, politically, that would be a big win for conservatives. And so if they get that win, I think I have good reason to think they would be more flexible on some other issues like keeping more of the Obamacare taxes on the wealthy. There was a pretty rapidly forming consensus a couple weeks ago among Senate Republicans that we should keep some of those taxes and use that money to increase the financial assistance for poor and middle class Americans who buy private insurance. And so I think if you get the Cruz Amendment, keep some of the Obamacare taxes, and then boost the financial assistance for people who buy private coverage, maybe that gets us to a place where the coverage losses are probably still in the millions, but a little more politically manageable. And you kind of just lean in on the idea that Republicans have promised for seven years that they were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And, and this is their only chance to do it. I mean, it's a really difficult path. I but think, but is the that's the path. If it's I going think to be that's path. the path. Right. I and think it's that's something where it probably has to be matched by a... Um, you know, a sort of messaging strategy where they make these few changes and then everyone who was so opposed to it beforehand been like, wow, well, that first bill was garbage, but now we've made these tweaks and it is now a totally different bill and this is just a great bill. So, right. And we've seen Senate Majority Whip John Cornyn said on Friday, like, we haven't actually even produced a Senate bill yet, even yeah. though they've written 140 pages of legislative text and sent it to the Congressional Budget Office. So I think they are, to your point, they're very much setting up this idea that whatever revised bill they release in the next week or so is a completely brand new product. Yeah. Let, let's just do a little plug, by the way, for, for Senate Majority Whip John Cornyn's Twitter feed. <laughs> if you like to follow trolls and you like to follow people who you do not like and will only get worked up about what they're saying, you must follow Senator. John Cornyn. I spent my Friday night tweeting about yes. his tweets. So he clearly is doing It was your best right. Friday night ever. <laughs> yeah. So Dylan, the senators will be getting back this afternoon. Both you and I will be going to the Senate subway platform to begin harassing them with lots of questions. 
Where do you see this process moving ahead this week? And what do you see the timeline like for this bill? So the Senate has about three weeks that they're going to be here in Washington working before they go home again for a month in August. I think this week there isn't going to be a lot of kind of public facing news. Obviously, this entire process has been kind of shrouded in mystery. I think what's going to happen is McConnell is is working on some of these tweaks that we alluded to, and he's going to be very discreetly sending them to CBO to get a sense of what the coverage losses would look like, what would happen to premiums if they were to add, say, the Cruz Amendment to the bill. At the end of the week or a week from now, um, we'll get a new bill for the public and the rest of us to analyze. But I think right now McConnell is kind of, he's working the refs a little bit to figure out what can he do inside the general structure of this bill to try to make it more palatable both to his conservative holdouts and to his moderates. And it also seems like I... I believe it was the Washington Post report this weekend that for Ted Cruz to sell his amendment, he he pretty much is going to, Mitch McConnell has charged him to win over the senators himself. So he's going to give another presentation, but it may be a little bit of an uphill climb because someone told Politico, a, you know, senior leadership aide or whatever, said this amendment probably has 15 supporting it and 37 against it. Right. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that the Cruz Amendment is almost too clever by half. Obviously, he the way he would sell it is, you know, we're both keeping Obamacare's protections for people with pre-existing conditions, but we're also giving plans more flexibility to sell insurance that doesn't comply with those rules. But I think everybody has pretty quickly seen through that because you end up with all the healthy people buying non-Obamacare plans, all the sick people buying Obamacare plans. Right. We're like, we're like month six of this debate. I right. don't think you can, yeah, people like know, you know, adverse right. selection spirals and everything like that by now. So. And we saw last week, even again, somebody who's sort of as, you know, go with the flow as Chuck Grassley was like, yeah, that, that looks like subterfuge. You can't lose Chuck Grassley. And so if he's out and already very wary of the cruise plan, then it's it's starting to look more and more like a non-starter. Yeah, Grassley said he just sort of I, I sort of like sort of the strong language he used in this very matter of fact statement. He says there's a real feeling that that subterfuge to get around pre-existing conditions, if it is subterfuge and it has the effect of annihilating the pre-existing condition requirement, then obviously I would object to that. Right. That is the most popular part of Obamacare, and that is what's been so hard for Republicans to try to navigate around. And as we see, it's not at all clear that they're going to be able to do that. Right. So even if you did get them to agree to do this amendment, you know, that could get you uh, Ted Cruz. That could get you Mike Lee. That could probably get you Ron Johnson. Probably does not get you Rand Paul, I don't yeah. think. Rand Paul has has really boxed himself in. I was working on a piece over the weekend, actually. Like, he's opposed to so many pieces of this bill. Like, he's opposed to the stabilization funding, this federal money that's going to be funneled to health insurers to help stabilize the market. Like, I don't see any way at this point how he could support Yeah, there the were bill. just a lot of things that conservatives in the Freedom Caucus and, and you know, their allies in the Senate and everywhere just decided to swallow back in, like, February or March. They were against any refundable tax credits on the individual market, and they just sort of swallowed that and accepted that they had to do that. Uh, Rand Paul is is still back in February, so right. And I mean, I don't want to discount the idea that the motivator of repealing Obamacare could could really bend these guys towards compromise. Um, and I think we've seen right. that even with Mike Lee and Ted Cruz. Like all they want is the Cruz Amendment, and they're pretty much willing to swallow anything else. But Rand, yeah, yeah, Rand is operating on kind of a different playing field than everybody else. So then you still have all the, 
you know, not just moderates, but a lot of mainstream members now. I, th- I think it's, you know, it would be hard to call Rob Portman anything other than a mainstream Republican. Yeah. And he is uh, holding out a little stronger than I thought he would, too. But, you know, you just have to wonder what pressure do they feel to even come back to this bill a little bit? I, I don't see Susan Collins facing any pressure to come back to the bill. I don't know what they could say to Shelley Moore Capito. I don't know what they could say to Lisa Murkowski. Right. I mean, the political elements here are really interesting. So Susan Collins maybe wants to run for governor next year. Does right. she really want to run on us having voted for a very unpopular health care bill? Dean Heller, who I don't think we've mentioned yet, uh, has probably the toughest re-election race of any Senate Republican next year in a trending blue state with a very popular Republican governor who viciously opposes the Senate bill. Lisa Murkowski, you know, she won re-election completely on her own in 2010. Does she really owe Mitch McConnell or Senate leadership anything? So yeah, I think uh, it's it's not at all clear what levers uh, Mitch has to pull at this point. With yeah, and Murkowski had another salty comment over the break. She was like, there may be a rewrite now, but I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so that's what happens with a closed process. Well, and at this point, I think she and Susan Collins have said we should do a bipartisan bill. And if you start to get a critical mass of a half dozen of these moderate senators in particular saying we should just work with the Democrats, like why would they ever come back for that? Everybody loves to say they're being bipartisan. Yeah. And, and uh, Bill Cassidy, Louisiana, he was also sounding, I think, you know, we on the Hill sort of thought a few weeks ago that, okay, Cassidy's probably going to be on this bill now. Like, he'll probably be fine. But he's sort of drifted a little further apart from it now. So he said yesterday on um, one of the Sunday shows that, you know, he went back to his thing like, this bill doesn't do what you want to do. The great thing is about Cassidy Collins. So he's going back <laughs> to his own proposal. Right. And he was talking about how, you know, maybe we should begin talking to Democrats. So Yeah. And it's a safety in numbers thing, right? Like, we have a dozen... Senate Republicans who oppose this bill publicly now. Oh, yeah. Now it's time for a recurring segment called Is This Shit Happening? where we guess whether the healthcare bill will pass or fail. I'll go first. I am going to bet that it's going to fail. I am probably the most confident, which is not to say super confident at all, in making this prediction. So I am willing to bet a car key that I snapped in half trying to open my trunk in Vermont this weekend. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I, I'm probably a little more confident than that, but I just wanted to bring up their story for our listeners. So <laughs> Dylan, what about you? Okay. I've never, I've tried not to stray from 60-40 either way, especially after what we saw in the house, but I I am with you. I am, I think right now it looks like it'll fail. Uh, it feels like about 60% odds. I have a pair of mismatched headphones in my computer bag here that I would be willing to wager on, wow. on the bill failing. Yeah. A true treasure. Yeah. So that does it for our show today. If you have missed any earlier episodes of Trump Care Tracker, you can find them all at slate.com slash Trump Care. Our producer is June Thomas. Jordan will be back on Wednesday. I'm Jim Newell, and I want to thank again Dylan Scott from Vox. Thanks for having me.